0: Hi, I'm Shelley. And I'm Cam, and this is Translating ADHD. So, Cam and I were discussing before hitting the record button, ADHD and change, because that's really what this podcast is about, right, Cam?
1: Uh, yes, this is what it's about, Shelly.
0: So say more about that.
1: Oh, about change or what the podcast is about? About change, about ADHD and change. Oh my goodness. Uh, how much time do you have, Shelly?
0: <laughs> well, we've got about 45 minutes, so go. <laughs>
1: um, well, so it's why our clients come to both of us right? They're, they're seeking change. Um, and that, well, it's the, I'll state the obvious, that um, change is really difficult with ADHD. And um, that individuals with ADHD tend to uh, delay and wait and uh, try everything they can um, before they are, are able to embark on real and significant change. And, and I'm sharing that from my own experience of my having ADD myself and working with uh, hundreds of individuals who have ADD.
0: Absolutely. And certainly I have the same experience. Um, as you know, and as our listeners may not yet know, I come from a background of professional organizing. And for a long time, I tried to out organize my own ADHD. And that was my try everything. And eventually that stopped working. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about today is why doesn't this work? The try everything. One would think if you try everything, you're eventually going to get to something that works. But that's just not true for those of us with ADHD. And that's why we're here is to talk about cause and effect, which we touched on in the last episode, and to talk about why we believe in this process of... Understand it own it translate it as a way to create real change So why doesn't that work cam? Why doesn't the try everything approach work?
1: Well, I'm so as you say try everything I'm thinking of two two images come to mind um, one is of a, a large mature oak tree and the other is the game at the state fair called whack-a-mole <laughs>
0: Two so, very different things. Yes. <laughs> My highly
1: associative brain. Um, but, but you can imagine that um, if, you, you know, if you're starting out at the, on the trunk of the tree, right, that main trunk, and you look up into a, a mature oak tree, there's so many different uh, branches that keep branching off, branching off, branching off. And so try everything is, your as you go and do something, it's to the detriment of something else. And so it can uh, fuel our need for novelty. And and it's sort of like, oh, I'll try this today. Oh, today I'll try this. And we find ourselves going out all these, and as we go out on these limbs, um, there's not a lot of meat there, right? It gets smaller and smaller, and to what end? Right, so um, it, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a inherent challenge with that approach. And to bring in the, the whack-a-mole, is it kind of, uh, this is how ADD can kind of, it'll pop up in, in interesting ways. And so you're like, oh, there it is, wham! You know, try to, oh, there it is over there, wham! And so we're, again, this splintered approach right, that gets kind of diffracted and and splintered in ways where then we get sort of spread out. And when we get spread out, well, uh, then we're not able to see things through to an end point, right? We talk about completion and the challenge with regard to engaging something to a completion point is difficult for the individual with ADHD.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that trying is that front end, right but you get discouraged and you stop and you don't see it necessarily through to a completion point
0: yeah i've certainly experienced this in my own life as i'm sure you have as well and i i like how you speak to the novelty is what's appealing at first right i'm going to solve this problem and it's new and it's novel right so for me one of my big challenges is weight loss and so former me less informed about my own ADHD me, would spend days, weeks cleaning out the kitchen, right? We're going to eliminate all the junk food, reorganize the kitchen so that I am fully prepared to cook healthy meals and I'm going to join a gym or sign up for some classes and I'm going to do this other thing, right? All these things that are going to set me up for success, but then the actual doing happens or is supposed to happen. So my kitchen is now organized, but what else haven't I been doing <laughs> in the week that I spent organizing my kitchen and signing up for exercise classes, right? Maybe I haven't been paying my bills. Maybe I haven't paid any attention at all to my coaching business. Have you had an experience like this yourself?
1: Uh, absolutely. To to get focused on one area to the detriment of another area. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing that. And I It's the, the try everything is kind of, it, it sounds like a close cousin to a clean slate. Yeah. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna start to starting today. Right. And as you said, I'm going to kind of redo in all these different areas and start fresh, start new and it's energizing, but um, it's, that can be exhausting to continuously uh, retool, redefine, restart, you know, and think. I think this is one of the the big myths, um, and, and and where ADD can kind of kind of fuel or infuse here is this notion of a start of a clean start. And so I'm going to tell you now that's not the case. Uh, we never have a clean start, right? We always have things going on. We have commitments, we have obligations, we have relationships. And uh, that approach, you know, again, from the outside, it can be very challenging um, where you're torching bridges, right? Uh, Burning down relationships and and trying to like, oh, I'm just going to cut things. And because it's, it kind of it's this simplified approach of it's getting messy, so let me just sort of you know cut cut a few ties and start over and that is um, it it just doesn't work i mean I, I don't know how else to say it
0: it's interesting that you bring up relationships because I used to very much be that person in relationships, right relationship starts to get messy I feel like I've messed it up to a point where It's not fixable. In my own head, this friendship or this romantic relationship is so messed up. Or my work situation, I've made my supervisor think a certain way about me and it's so messed up it can't be fixed. And I would cut those ties. I think I had 15 to 20 jobs in the two years that I was in college for that reason, right? Oh, I messed it up. Just quit that job and get another one. Right. And I joke with my longtime friends, the few that I have from high school and college, that the reason we're still friends, because back then I was so bad about just dropping out of friendships, is because they were the people that refused to let me do that.
1: Um, yeah, that's a good set of friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're it, it feels like, you know, so... Cause, cause uh, we're thinking of like, uh, there's so many different things that can get in the way of real and sustainable change. Yeah. Right. And there's that kind of the, uh, the cut and run, which yep. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're bringing up these, I'm like. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Oh yeah.
0: I used yeah. to be a master right. of the
1: cut and run. And then oh, I Oh, the I'm not even I'm not even going to tell you the nickname I was given uh, cuz that's <laughs> cuz we're PG-13 related uh, uh, rated and uh I just was like, yeah, that was where they really, I mean it was a joke, but you know, it was basically cut and run camp, you know. Yeah. Um but um yeah, cuz it's just simpler. Right, if things get a little complicated, get a little messy, and it's instead of trying to dig in and, and prune or, or get it back to you know direct communication with, hey, you know this is getting a little messy or this is, there's a misunderstanding here right We tend to avoid conflict, right either avoidance or that kind of the bull in the China shop where we'll just run over people. <laughs> right? It's just like, you know, and, and again, there's that kind of a, there, there's that emotional sense. There's either emotional, emotional sensitivity or an emotional insensitivity, right? That that can go either way. I, I I'm like, uh, you know, as I'm thinking about this, I want to go back to the try everything. And I want to go back to uh, what you were talking about with respect to weight loss, because You're saying about your old self of what you would try to do and try everything in the clean slate approach. And I wonder, like, if we can go through our process of understand, own and translate to like what you did there to shift and change around uh, uh, managing weight.
0: Sure. I think that would be a great exercise. But before we do that, one thing I do want to say, because it's a call back to the previous episode um, the idea that try everything because the novelty is appealing, right? If we, mm, 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 mm. when we first decide we're going to do something, that novelty is everything to our ADHD brain. And it's exciting and it's new and we are really into it. Right up until the point comes where it's not about setting it up or getting it ready, but it's about maintaining it and habits. And that is where, at least with myself and my clients, the rubber meets the road. That's the hard part. Yeah. Those of us with ADHD, I said this last time around calendars, because I have ADHD clients who do this all the time. They'll go... To Michael's and they'll buy washi tape and they'll buy a new folder and they'll buy a new binder and they'll buy markers and they'll buy highlighters and they'll set up this really complicated system. And that's fun. But actually using the system is difficult. And it's no different with something like weight loss, right? Setting up the kitchen, organizing the kitchen, setting it up so that I can make these ideal meals fun. Actually meal planning and getting healthy meals on the table, not so fun, not so novel. The, um,
1: yeah, and I think that if we sort of, we, we tied together understanding and awareness, right? And where this is where cause and effect, the cause and effect challenge comes into play. And a great exercise is to really consider um, motivation, right? What is the motivation for um, setting up a system like that? Wait, what is your motivation for going to Staples and, you know, pulling down all the, the highlighters and the, and the different um, systems and tools and putting them into your cart, right? Is the motivation t- for change or is the motivation uh, more in the realm of stimulation, right? It's stimulating. It's kind of exciting. Oh, okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Uh, I'm going to do this. Right. And we throw the kitchen sink at it. But starting to look at and uh, under the realm of understand and own is to kind of own that motivation and and understand that, you know, that's that that is there's uh, the desire for stimulation um, and getting that dopamine hit is extremely high. Right. And it often sort of, you know, they've been studies about um, like around, I don't know, playing games or like lottery, playing the lottery, where it's not the finding out, it's the actual anticipation moments before, right? The anticipation of the event is where the dopamine spikes, right? Am I going to win? Am I going to lose? Um, and then it just drops off after that.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's also a false sense of accomplishment, right? Mm. I have this problem with time management, so I'm going to tackle it by purchasing all these supplies and maybe even setting up a super complicated system, right? I am tackling my time management problem. But again, when the rubber meets the road, when it's time to use the system, when it's time to develop habits, we fall off.
1: Yeah. yeah, I so appreciate you bringing that up because just recently I had a client who was, um, again, he was comparing his um, experience with his partners. And, And it was sort of like, kind of recognizing he had this kind of, this win. It felt like a win, right? A new awareness Um, that he did a certain thing a certain way. And just that new awareness had him stop, right? Thinking, as you said, this false sense of accomplishment or kind of a, he thought he took action in a way, right? Like, oh, I learned something new but he didn't take that and convert it into actual, um, activity. Right. And so then there's a frustration that occurs between he and his spouse because the spouse is sort of like, okay, that's great. But you know, what's the activity, right? What's the actual action that goes with that? Um, and then there's a cause or, you know, friction point in a key
0: relationship. Absolutely. And that could be a spouse, friendships, work relationships, colleague relationships. Right. Yeah.
1: Boy, we could, I think we could spend lots of time on just this area of try everything with respect to creating change. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So
0: let's kind of anchor it back to the weight loss example.
1: Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to hear about what you've, what you've done there to shift there, Shelly.
0: Well, it's a number of things over a period of time, right? So there is the general learning that the habits are more important than the tools. Meaning that an organized kitchen or a home gym in my basement, which I do have, are great tools. But if I'm not in the habit of using those tools and if I can't develop those habits, then those tools are essentially worthless. On the flip side, there is the awareness for myself that I tend to hyperfocus when I get a bug about something, whether it's organizing a space, I can really hyperfocus on organizing, whether it's I'm going to get in shape. I tend to zero in on that to the detriment of everything else, right? And not necessarily in an active way. This is what's interesting. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you get hyper-focused on something in a way where it's on your brain all the time, right? Anytime there's a quiet moment, that's what's rattling around in your brain. And maybe you're reading internet articles about it or watching YouTube videos or researching gyms or figuring out the best exercise routine for me or whatever it is, but it's not real action. So not only is it consuming so much of my brain space and shutting out other important things maybe things that need to be worked on in my business or just the routine things of running my household right shutting those things out and i'm also not actually getting anywhere (laughs) it's living up there it's rattling around it's taking up all of my available energy but i'm not going anywhere
1: yeah that and again that Last time we talked about the value of distinction, of the ex- using the skill of distinguishing. And so distinguishing research from actual action. Yeah. And that research is not, does, is not about habit development or the actual practice of weight loss.
0: Yeah, and I think we can get really stuck in that research as people with ADHD.
1: Well, there's a safety mechanism there, right?
0: Ooh, say more about that.
1: Um, that. That, you know, we're humans too, right? This is And this is the thing that I want to be really clear on is that, you know, it's not just your ADD that gets in the way, right? The ADD is like the MSG, right? It's the enhancer. It enhances your experience. So humans uh, are, are rationalizing behavior all the time. Our, our brains are designed to, not, to, to resist any kind of change, right? So that if we're in research, um, we can sort of tell ourselves that we're, yeah, we're doing this, I'm doing this. But in fact, it's sort of a safe path, right? You're, you're not putting yourself out there for failure. You're not taking risk. And that's something that's not ADD related. That's human related.
0: Yeah. You're um,
1: right. We will play it safe. Um, and so, you know, again, distinguishing, you know, what is the commitment and and what can be a measured commitment so it's not this all or nothing or, right, when you say try everything, it's sort of trying everything is like, you know, again, going down uh, this one branch with us with a tremendous amount of intensity right that hyper focus to go down to the detriment of these other areas of our life right we're not just weight managers right <laughs> i'd hope not <laughs> uh, but as i say you know it's so interesting last night you know you uh after you know 10 o'clock at night i i i, I find the one last um ice cream sandwich in the freezer, (laughs) you know, but tonight I have another chance to be successful, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think it's also about points of decision. And this is something Mm. that I notice previously as a professional organizer, not just in clients with ADHD, but in most of my clients that have organizational problems. And the best example I can give here is paper because paper is seems to be the universal organizational struggle, whether at work or at home, people have too many papers that they don't know what to do with. And what I tell people is your number one problem with paper is making decisions because everybody's got the pile, right? So if I go through the pile with a client, we can easily pull out what's a bill right? What needs to be taken care of? What is something that I absolutely have to take action on? I have to make this phone call to my insurance company. I have to make a dentist appointment. These are obligations. These are things that I have to do, or there are consequences, right? But then there's this leftover stuff. Recipes, things I might want to read, things I should get to, things I haven't decided whether I'm going to do, events I've been invited to that I haven't decided whether I'm going to attend or not. And the entire cause of that pile of I don't know what to do with it paper is indecision. And every client is the same with this pile. They'll flip through it and they'll tell me what it is, right? Oh, this is a networking event that I'm not sure if I'm gonna go to. Oh, this is an article that I might want to read. Oh, this is a recipe that I might want to try. But what they're not doing is making a decision to act or not act on that piece of paper. They're never making a decision. So what happens to the pile? It just grows. It's all of these pieces of paper that just represent indecision.
1: Right. And, and that brings in the, the Eisenhower matrix with distinguishing uh, important and urgent.
0: Yes. And so for those that don't know what the Eisenhower matrix is, um, it's sometimes called the four quadrants. Right. And the idea is there are four quadrants in which you can classify tasks. The first being both important and urgent, meaning that it is due or needs to be done very soon. That is the urgent, and it is important, meaning that there will be severe consequences if this is not done.
1: Or that it's just very relevant. Right. Right, it's a real priority uh, versus something that is like an email that comes in that's urgent and say, not important. Right. Right. The emails that come into your inbox that just come right to the front of the
0: line. Right. So they seem urgent, but there's no importance to them.
1: Right. Exactly. So
0: quadrant one is urgent and important. Quadrant two is important, but not urgent. Yeah. So that is the quadrant where what we really want to be, do, and have in life lives. Right? Me getting in better shape or learning how to play the guitar. It's never going to be urgent. Nobody can make it urgent for me. Cam, you're my coach. You can't make it urgent for me, right? It just can't be done, right? The other thing that can live in quadrant two are things that aren't urgent yet, but will eventually become urgent if we don't address them.
1: Right, but like, um, you know, that uh, professional development, right? Your own dreams will never go to urgent. Right. Right, so there's certain things. And I would say that, that's who I work with. I work with people who are unable to take, to create change around the Q2 stuff, right? The important, not urgent, because we tend to do pretty well with the urgent, right? We'll pay that bill. Um, but I want to, I want to still go back to the weight management with you, because again, the, and specifically around the shift you made in order to be successful there and and kind of crack into that Q2 um, area?
0: So, as I said, it started with a recognition of the sort of false sense of achievement versus real achievement, meaning that research, organizing the kitchen, buying the things for the home gym, right? These things created a sense of accomplishment, but didn't actually get me any closer to my actual goal, right? So I needed to focus on habits and also the realization that I needed to do it in a way that I wasn't hyper-focusing on this is the only important thing in my life, right? So how do you do that, right? Well, first of all, don't try and do everything at once, right? So I had to find a place to start. Where can I start? So I started with diet change, right? Let's just park exercise for now, and let's focus on cleaning up the way that I eat. Part of that is being okay, your ice cream sandwich, with failure and getting up tomorrow and trying again, right? So that all or nothing thinking can be a real roadblock to change. We talked about this last time, the binary thinking, the black and white thinking, the all or nothing thinking. So I ate pizza today, therefore forget it. I failed. I'm not going to try.
1: And, and cut that tie, right? You, you cut that tie to that commitment. You, right? walk, you walk away.
0: Right. Almost actively, right? Like I ate pizza today, so let's get Taco Bell tomorrow, right? like I am now actively uncommitting to this.
1: Right. And then there's the sort of the self-identity of, well, this is who I am, right? Might, yeah. might, as, might as well embrace it, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Or on the flip side, there becomes the, well, I'll get back around to it when the time is right. The time's not right right now. Right. I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. I'm too this. I'm too in my feels. I'll come back to it later. So choosing a place to start and then every day, treating every day fresh and every day is an opportunity to take action in the right direction. And then at the end of that day, there's an opportunity to do what? To come back to awareness, right? Maybe I did eat the pizza. Well, instead of saying, well, forget it, it's ruined, And I don't want to feel bad about that. So I'm just going to say that's okay and go buy a bunch of junk food. There's an opportunity to get curious about, okay, I had pizza today. What were the circumstances that led to that? Was I stressed? And did I want to eat my stress, which I am known to want to do? Did we not have a plan in place for something to eat? Did my husband and I not communicate who was cooking? Has no one been to the grocery store?
1: Did you, I want to hear, I want to, the language you just said was really fascinating. You said, did I have stress and did I want to eat my stress? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Say, say more about that because that's, that's awareness, right? That's a kind of a really interesting word choice that's extremely descriptive. So what does that mean to, uh, eat your stress?
0: So I am a person that when I am stressed out, I tend to feel like I deserve, I deserve binge on food, right? (laughs) I deserve to order my favorite pizza or go get ice cream or go get formerly a burger. I am a vegetarian now, but you know, I deserve to Binge on a bunch of food. But when I really stop and think about it and get curious about it, this is ridiculous for a number of reasons. Number one, when I overeat, I feel like garbage. So now I'm stressed and I have a stomach ache and I feel sluggish. So I'm compounding the problem, right? I'm not making stress better. I'm actually making it worse.
1: Well, and that eating my stress is language that is extremely accurate, right? It's sort of like you're not actively getting rid of the stress or managing it. Right. It's almost like it's a it's you're taking it in another way.
0: Yeah. I'm right. It's I'm,
1: gonna it's it's gonna live in your stomach, you know, in your GI system. Right. It's like, okay, buddy, go ahead, you know, it's like jump in there like like that alien, you know, critter in in, uh, in the movie, right? I was like, there we go.
0: Yeah, so there's this false belief that I had for a long time that when I'm stressed, and my husband is the same way, by the way, so we are terrible for each other in that mm, regard, yeah. even though he is he is a healthy weight and I'm getting closer. Um, but we both were terrible about that for a long time, so we'd feed off of each other. He'd come home, I had a bad day, let's order pizza. Okay, let's order pizza. I had a bad day too, what the heck. And we both had to really explore that belief that stress means we deserve junk food to come to the realization of how ridiculous that is. And that is a perspective shift, right? That is, I see my old problem in a new way Yep, because now I understand something different about eating my stress. So now If I want to eat my stress, I might stop and think about that phrase, eating my stress. And I might remember what the outcome of eating my stress is. And there comes an opportunity to make a different choice.
1: Right. Back to points of decision.
0: Yeah. Or that pause for awareness, right? Because I can name what's happening. Previously, I'd be on the phone or online ordering delivery before I had even stopped to think about it. Right. Whereas now I can stop and name it, and there's an opportunity to do something different.
1: The. So I'm I'm just taking a couple notes here, and what I'm, what I'm noticing in that process, is. That curiosity and self compassion. There's a lot of self compassion here. There's curiosity, uh, reflection. Right, reflecting and looking for learning, right? Looking for those learning moments, which actually you know is, is a big part of our coaching process, right? Of of looking for learning, um, and and that, and in that you're linking together, you're seeing the connection between cause and effect, right? We talked last time about kind of living in the wake of the boat, right, and not. Really understanding the boat or how the boat generates a wake, right? We're, we're kind of more in effect than a cause. And as you, you know, you just finding that, you know, and it's so interesting how it comes out in our own language, right? I deserve this. I deserve, do I really? Right? So that kind of like, you poke, we think it's kind of a, this sort of this just truth when in fact, it's just a made up belief. Right. Yeah. I deserve this. And then you see, oh, this is the turn I'm taking that's not working for me. Yeah. Right. And so then we can come back to, well, what is the need that's not getting met there? Right. Because it's basically a need that's not getting met.
0: Right. So in my case, what is a healthier way to deal with stress? Right. Right. What's a healthier behavior? Because this behavior is clearly detrimental to what I know I want. <laughs>
1: and 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 there's so much focus on like new habits and new tools that we don't uh we, we we're not looking at the habits that we're doing in the first place right that are that are not helpful um,
0: right so my kitchen is organized and ready for us to cook fresh, healthy meals, but I still make the phone call right so in figuring out why i don't why I make the phone call and how I can make a different decision. That's where the real change begins. Right. And this really is owning it. Right. So using that awareness, learning something new about your old problem, learning, coming up with the phrase, eating my stress, exploring around that phrase, really being curious about what's going on instead of being judgmental, right. Instead of, Oh, I did it again. I'm going to be fat forever. This is just who I am. I have no self-control. I have no willpower.
1: Right. This is who I am.
0: Right. Instead, going to that curious place. Understanding something new about myself and then owning that understanding. Yeah. Right. Being able to say without shame out loud that I am a person who struggles with eating my stress because I still struggle with it. we're We're not done here but i have better tools now.
1: Right. Are we ever done, right? I mean, no. yeah. The the so the, we have the understanding and owning and so then what would you under translate how how did you tr- how are you translating this
0: dilemma, Shelley? It's a great the- question. And Here's where translating is such an important part of this process, because translating is about being able to articulate your experience to others so that you can get what you need. So in this case, Mm. having this conversation with my husband around eating my stress and articulating that I need him to be a safeguard for me there. So if, I had a bad day and I want to eat my stress rather than him saying, okay, because my husband very much <laughs> wants me to be happy. He's a very yeah. sweet man. Sure, hon. Sure. Right? Yeah. Whatever sure, you need. Hon. I'll go well, get, I'll
1: go. Okay. Get pizza. Well, I'm, I'm dry. I'll go get the pizza. <laughs> right.
0: Right. <laughs> Letting him know that while the intent behind his behavior is very sweet, you're stressed and I want to make you feel better. Yeah. Here is why I need you to do something different based on what I understand about myself. Right. And so this translating piece in a bigger sense, when we understand ourselves and our own ADHD and the other things that make us uniquely us and cause the unique challenges that we have, then we're able to ask for what we need. We're able to advocate for ourselves, which is a big one for my clients that are in traditional workplaces.
1: The, um, I wrote down advocate and I think that that's, there's another myth there is sort of, uh, especially in relationships. I, you know, we're, we're, the focus of the podcast is around productivity and, and, and sustain change. Um, I think there's a, a common myth is that, well, you know, I have the ADD, I'm the problem. I need to make the change and I need to do it by myself. Right. It's that, it's that, uh, um, Americana, um, romantic, you know, the Lone Ranger, Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps.
0: But I think it's more than that, Cam, for those of us with ADHD, because those of us with ADHD have spent a large portion of our lives because people see the effect. They see what we didn't do. They see that we didn't call. They see that we missed a deadline. They see that we didn't answer their email. And it looks like we just don't give a shit or that we're lazy. Probably most of us from the time that we were very young students got the smart, but lazy label. That was my moniker, right? Smart, but lazy on every report card, some iteration of smart, but lazy.
1: Keep talking. Can you keep talking for seven seconds while I, 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 my mom brought a folder over and I'm going to read you a line from my (laughs) folder, but it's just it's in my little basket up yes. the stairs and we get can also folder. cut this out if we need to. But uh, and the magic of podcasting, like I'm just going to be right back and get this line because
0: yes, get your Okay, I'm
1: going to go. I'm go going because, because this is our podcast
0: and we can do that we and can do whatever we want. And my we're going to, not in. long
1: enough, but I'm going.
0: All, right? Going. I'll be right, All back. right. So Cam is going, but yeah, this idea that we are smart, but lazy and Every one of my clients has sort of lived with this label. And so what happens is we start to sort of embody that shame and we feel it in all of our relationships. And so when we want to change, it is very uncomfortable for us to ask for help because we feel like we are the problem and we're not allowed to ask for help. We need to show everyone else that we're not lazy, crazy, or stupid. And if we ask for help, we're just making it worse. But if we learn how to really articulate ourselves and advocate for ourselves, there is a way to do that that both lets the other person know this is not coming from a place of lazy, crazy, or stupid. Here's what's really going on. And I want just as much as you want to create change here. How can we work together?
1: Right, or um, I'm helpless, right? Help me, yeah. which, is, which is uninformed, right? That is not advocacy, right? And that is this, not this process of going back to your great example of you had to do your work first, right? You had to understand the situation, get in touch with motivations and the motivations that weren't working for you and then be able to articulate the support to your uh, key resource in, in your husband. Sure. Right? And but sometimes it, that, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No.
0: Sometimes that articulation is even just about letting someone know what's really going on. So a lot of my clients in traditional workplaces may not even be looking for support, but they're communicating with their supervisor in a different way. Right. Meaning... You see missed deadlines, and you might be making assumptions about my motivations, but I want to articulate what's really happening and what I am doing to create change. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take me time, but I am making real efforts to create change. Here are the barriers. Here are the obstacles. Here's what I'm doing to work through it.
1: And I think we have, a, here's a topic for another podcast is articulating needs in the workplace. Yeah. Right. Which is not necessarily to say you have ADHD because people can fire you for any reason. Absolutely. Um, and, the, the, and, uh, and the ADA will not protect you um, in all situations. And to pull that out in the last moment is, is not going to help you right? It's to be proactive here, but that's for another time. Can I read you my line? Like when you were talking back to school, I just have this great line here. Yes, please
0: read it. I can't wait.
1: Okay. So this is, this is, uh, I just started middle school and this is 1977. So you, you can do the math. Um, I'm 11 years old, uh, turning 12 and I, and I went from uh, two classrooms with 25 kids in each classroom into an open classroom design, right? The middle school, the year before they blew out all the walls and they did the big, right? Three classrooms in this giant open area. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Which was the, at the time, that was the thing, right? It was like, okay, we're going to, it's this open classroom and they, You know, they had little tiny dividers, but you had three classrooms going on at once. And it was a lot of noise, a lot of activity, right? And so enter me into this, right? But this, the interesting thing is, this is 77, right? This is before ADD. And I was um, sent to, um, you know, someone doing an assessment, right? This is, again, before anyone knew about, we just starting to, to to learn about it, right? It was about 1980 when you start to see um, diagnoses of uh, hyperactive, impulsive ADD, right? The disruptors. Uh, I'm more in the um, uh, inattentive type, which we didn't see till um, certainly, actually 90s. Um,
0: well, I can say I was born mid, in 84. mid and I was inattentive type, and it was never caught when I was a student, so
1: yeah, I mean it was it was uh, inattentive was was when I saw it was cutting edge, and that was uh mid nineties so here's this: ready? He knows he's not as good in school as he ought to be, and that he is getting behind somehow he can't force himself to do the things he knows he ought to do. <laughs> Primarily because he feels bored, isn't that amazing? I saw <laughs> that, and I was like, "Dang, she just nailed the ADD!" Right? I can't force him. He can't force himself to do the things he knows he ought to do. Yeah, there it is, right there. But here, it's kind of it. It was more of uh, interpreted as a judgment right, than a, than a necessarily information, right. My parents didn't really know what to do with this. I didn't know what really what to do with this. She was stating the observation. But uh, again, I, I went to, uh, well, I must not want it enough, right. Yeah, I uh, must be too
0: lazy. Uh, or I don't care. Right, right? if only not, you'd work harder, right.
1: Yeah, work harder, work more consistently was basically the message.
0: Yeah. So we're coming up on the end of our time for today. And I actually love ending on that because I think that that sentence sort of sums up the ADHD experience and how coaching and this podcast can create a different experience. So especially our understand it, own it, translate it. So the idea that you, learn something new about your experience, learn something new about not only your ADHD, but your motivations, who you really are and who you are not, what false beliefs you might be holding, and then owning that information, working with it, being curious about it.
1: And, and back to the other thing I think that came up today was distinguishing uh, real achievement from not real achievement, right? Absolutely. That sort of- That um, we talked about, um, I guess it was, you know, again, this sort of false sense of um, completion, right? I'm looking for my note, what you said, but I think it was a false sense of uh, achievement, of getting something done, when in fact, it's not necessarily um, in the realm of action or practice or habit.
0: Right. And that falls under understanding, right? right? So that you can then work with that information and own it, which then allows you to translate it, to advocate for yourself, to explain your experience to others in a way that they understand what's really going on, right? I'm not lazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not stupid, but I am differently brained, and so here's what's really happening when you see lazy or you see missed deadlines. And here is what I am doing to create change.
1: Nicely said.
0: All right. Anything yeah. to add before we wrap up for today?
1: You know, there's tons to add, right? But I think we save it for another podcast. I think Carry that it was a, on. Yeah, that was a great summary, Shelly. And um, that was a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. So as we keep going with this podcast, we do welcome your feedback. We'd love to hear what you'd like to see us talk about. If you have anything else to share, let us know. All of our contact information is on the website, translatingadhd.com. I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.